Welcome to Paint Ed. PCA provides painting contractors with connections they need to grow their business. To find out more and to become a member, visit PCAPainted.org. Find more great content like this on PCA Overdrive. A subscription to the platform is included with membership. For all of you non-members out there, sign up for a free trial. PCA Overdrive is available on the App Store and Google Play. Jordan Adams, welcome to the fight. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a uh, little backstory here. The thanks for having me has a story behind it because uh, <laughs> it's a journey to get us together. Uh, we had this on the schedule for several weeks ago, and life happened on my end, and I had to reschedule. We rescheduled, and a few minutes before we were going to do this, was it just last week or the week before? Yeah, I think it was last week. Yeah. Um, my internet went out <laughs> for like half a day and we had to reschedule. So I can look at that one of two ways and I'm choosing to look at it this way. Well, number one, it's, it's tested our commitment. <laughs> okay? Definitely has. There you yeah. go. It's <laughs> tested our commitment. Number yeah. two, this is, and, you know, both these are true is I, I think we're about to talk about some cool shit that the forces of evil in the universe are trying to prevent. Yeah, I think so. so too. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I'm reframing this. So dude, who, who the hell are you and what do you do? That's a great question, man. <laughs> and it's, it's, it's a very abstract question. So I deal, I deal, I'm like a philosophy dealer, right? Think of me like your drug dealer, but I'm your philosophy dealer. I'm like the very tattooed philosopher. Okay. Time out real quick. The ironic thing about this. Is about okay. two hours ago, I recorded one of our members in our program who was a drug dealer. <laughs> so okay. there you go. Okay. You just talked yeah. about, I'm like your drug dealer. And now I'm sitting there right. like, oh, this is funny as hell. Me so and anyway, Wes Watson, I, man. Yeah. Me and Wes Watson. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, who am I? Who the hell am I? So I'm a, I'm a father. I'm a husband. I, I have uh, three kids, three daughters. My oldest is almost 14. My middle is almost 10. And my youngest is three years old. All great, great kids. My youngest is a mini terrorist, absolutely rules our lives. Um, and uh, born and raised in Southern California, my family, I, I, I come from Japanese ancestry and, and, and just your run-of-the-mill redneck white people and, uh, ancestry. And so my family has been in Southern California, you know, since they immigrated from Japan well over a hundred years ago. So, I mean, we're OG Southern California people lived in a lot of different places. I was in the solar industry for a decade, selling and managing and growing and scaling companies, uh, taking companies, you know, to, to large uh, valuations, hundreds of millions of dollars. And in that process, uh, understanding what makes people tick, discovering philosophy in the form of stoicism, which is, I had encountered it before. And all of us, unknowingly have encountered stoicism, either just sitting in your history class and learning about pe people. You may have heard of people like Socrates, right? Or Plato, mm -hmm. you know, or Marcus Aurelius. Most guys know Marcus Aurelius from um, the movie Gladiator, right? Like, yeah, you know, yeah. Rome shall remain a republic, which is totally not accurate at all. But basically, you know, the, the great Greek and Roman philosophers. And so through coaching sales guys specifically, large amounts of sales guys, you know, digging deep into personal development, discovering how stoicism applied to those principles. 
And then fast forward to, you know, being into fitness and and I decided to make the jump into coaching men in fitness and and here's why. And here's my elevator pitch to everybody that I talk to. I say, look, the the goal of the philosopher, certainly the goal of the stoic is to cultivate virtue in a man or woman. And what is virtue? Virtue is what we do and what we say and what we think when no one else is around. You and I were talking about ethics a little bit before, you know, we started the podcast. So how do we become this good person, this good man, right? How do we develop virtue? Well, most people don't even know where to start. I'll tell you where we start. We say, look, I'm going to teach you virtue by teaching you to keep your commitments to yourself by eating the diet that I tell you to eat, by by keeping nutritional virtue. Why? Why is that valuable? Well, any contractor can understand this, right? They come home at night. It's been a long day. It's been a massive headache. Everything's gone wrong, right? It's, it's absolutely, absolutely, you're popping you come home and you just want to yep. get completely sloshed, but you come home and you don't, right? You come home and say, Hey, instead of eating that salad bowl size container of, of a uh, potato salad or lucky charms, I'm going to say, I'm going to stick to the nutrition goals that I have for the day. And why is that virtuous? Well, for two reasons. Number one, Nobody gives a shit about your nutritional goals other than you, right? No one's watching you. No one's putting their thumb on you and saying, hey, that you, you absolutely have to do that, right? Especially like your wife, right? Your wife's like, I don't want to deal with your crap anyway. So just you know, do whatever you need to do to relieve your pain and create the pleasure you need so that you get off my back. But the second thing more than anything else is people struggle the most in regard to keeping their nutritional commitments to themselves. That is, that is the hardest thing to do, right? So when in, in our program, when we teach people about fitness, we say, look, if you think this is about fitness, you've completely missed the point. The point is, how do I teach you to do really, really hard things that no one else wants to do and no one else does? Because once you realize that, if you can come home at night and be like, oh my gosh, I just kept my commitment to myself. Guess what? You can keep other commitments to yourself now. You can say, well, I can deny myself this pleasure creation and this pain relief that, that's found in this bowl of potato salad or Lucky Charms. Now I can wake up earlier. Now I can get, I can get to the job on time, right? Now I can, be, I can manage my time better. You know, there's so many. And, and for a contractor who, contractors are horrible at managing their time. I mean, that, and there's, some, there's some real basic, you know, stigmas that are true with contractors. And it's like, you know, I just had one who came to my house right before the podcast. I'm like, bro, Taylor, love you, bro. But you're supposed to be here at three. It's, it's almost four, you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. learning how to manage our ourselves, our own affairs, according to this sense of virtue is, is extremely valuable. And so that's, that's kind of who I am. So I help men, you know, understand these concepts of stoicism, which we'll talk more in depth about, yeah. but then how to apply them and how it actually works as a father, as a business owner, as a husband, as a man, all of those things, all of the above. I love that. And you know, this is part of the reason I wanted you on here because in the contractor fight, we have a massive focus on, you know, just how you personally show up. We have a huge focus on personal development. We we're huge into family. Like for those that don't know, Jordan, you probably don't know this. Like all of our live events, your spouse gets in half price. This year at our big event in Colorado, uh, we call it Mile High Profit Summit. It's in Denver uh, in September. This year, it'll be our third year doing it. Uh, there's four to 500 contractors in the room this year. We're offering childcare. Oh yeah. Okay. That's because awesome. what, what we don't want is we don't want to put on events where guys go and it's a big drunk fest. You know, <laughs> last year, you know, my, my personal coach guy named Ben Newman, 
Ben came in and did a keynote. He'll be back this year again for doing something else at school. But we, you know, we start each morning with a workout. You know, so we have two like workouts. We have yoga in one area and we have like a more hit style body weight thing in another area outside in a courtyard. And so that's why I wanted you on here, man, because I, I know the work you're doing for the family and things like that. And I'm excited. So you were talking about the nutrition and I wrote something down. I don't know if this is a unique thought to you, but it was really um, powerful for me when you talked about how nobody's like really babysitting your nutrition. And so what I wrote down is, and I don't know, you can expand on this and take it further or deeper, which you probably will. Uh, but I wrote down, and I don't know if it's true or false, so let's figure that out. <laughs> I wrote, nutrition is the ultimate form of integrity. Yes. Yes. I love that. I love that you just said that. I'm, I'm, you can steal I'm, that if you want. I'm going to steal like that. I'll cite you. That. I'll pay yeah. your royalty on that. Um, but, <laughs> but no, Tom, that's, that's absolutely right. Because it's something that no one cares about, right? Or that people see, people do care about it, right? No, there's not a man on the planet. And he's lying to himself if he says that, that he doesn't do this, that doesn't look at himself in the mirror and say, I want to be in better shape. And I want, because that is a symbol of manhood, right? To say, hey, I take care of myself. And the biggest principle, and we'll get into this with Stoicism, but the biggest principle within just philosophy in general is the, the word temperance, right? Which is moderation. How do I do before, everything? Before moderation? you get into that, before you get into that, mm -hmm. can you just define Stoicism real quick for anybody? I totally will. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let me define then Stoicism. Into, then, then let's get into temperance. All right, cool. And before, before I get into that really quick, I'll just, just a preference. Everyone in my family are contractors. My dad was a contractor growing mm -hmm. up. He was a... a in, Ca in California, we call it grading. In other states, you may call it uh, excavating, right? Mm -hmm. So my dad was an excavation contractor. My grandfather was an excavation contractor. My great-grandfather was an excavation contractor. My dad is currently a superintendent you know, for a, a massive freeway building company. My brother is a superintendent. He's built for, you know, aunts, uncles, cousins, everybody. So I was, I was always like the, the migrant laborer, you know, for my dad. I was always the water boy for my grandpa. I was yep. always the ditch digger for everybody, you know what I mean? So massive, massive respect for contractors in general. And of course, myself being in the solar industry, being part of that solar contractor, uh, even though I never got on a roof, massive respect for guys in this industry. But let me, let me define stoicism. So let's rewind, get in the time machine. Let's go back to the, the Greek civilization around the time of Socrates, a little bit later than Socrates. There's a guy named Zeno of Citium. He's a trader. He's a businessman, like a lot of people that listen to this podcast. And he deals in uh, very high-end dyes, which are, you know, like basically to dye garments. Yeah. And so he deals specifically in this purple dye that's used to dye the garments of royalty. Very, very high-end product. So he puts it all on the ship and he's, he's sailing across the Mediterranean to Greece and his ship runs aground and it sinks. And with it, his whole entire livelihood, everything's gone. So he's sitting on the shores there. Uh, in Greece, watching his livelihood sink to the bottom of the ocean. He's like, shit, I got to figure something out here. So he goes to Athens and he kind of becomes a beggar for a little while. And one day he finds himself at a bookstore and he discovers this book by a guy named Xenophon. And Xenophon is a student of a guy named Socrates. Um, and so he starts reading Xenophon and Plato and he's like, man, I wish that I could meet a philosopher, he tells the bookstore owner. And the bookstore owner says, well, that's Xenophon right across the street right there. So maybe you should talk to him. So he becomes a, a student of Xenophon. 
and start studying in the school of the cynics, right? The cynics are people like Diogenes. And, and, and just a quick side story. This is this Ryan Carnahan with Superhuman Fathers is 100% a cynic, someone who likes to put themselves through pain, values simplicity, doesn't care about money, doesn't care about any, doesn't care about power. And I'm a little bit like that in a way too. But the fun, the, the, the famous story of Diogenes is Diogenes was a great philosopher who walked around naked all the time. He didn't wear clothes. He slept on the ground. He just, he was kind of like a vagabond, kind of like the town crazy, but very, very intelligent guy. So there's a guy named Alexander the Great, which we're all familiar with. And he, he, he just is like very, very like enamored by, by Diogenes. So he goes to Diogenes and says, and Diogenes is sunbathing naked at, at this point. So he's laying on the ground and Alexander the Great stands in front of him and says, Diogenes, I'm Alexander the Great. What can I do for you? Right. As if to say, hey, I'm this great, powerful man. And Diogenes looks at him and says, well, move because you're standing in the way of the sun. I'm sunbathing right now. Right. And that's a cynic <laughs> as somebody who's just like, life is very simple and very basic. Right. So he studies in the school and then he starts to develop his own principles and concepts um, and so he he starts a school in basically the marketplace in Athens where where people would sell goods and kind of, you know, these little platforms they're called stoa or porches. And so this mm-hmm. became the philosophy of the porch or stoicism. And it really stresses a couple of different concepts within stoicism. And, and, and really what they are, there's four pillars. OK, it's wisdom, it's justice, it's courage, it's temperance. And, and I'll explain kind of what that means, but ultimately what we're looking at is stoicism is the practical application of how to live virtuously according to nature. And what do I mean by that? How do we live virtuously according to nature? Well, what it really comes down to um, is four major pieces that I stress with my clients and with people that I talk to, and I'm writing a, a book on this currently, but more than anything else, think about nature, think about animals, think about the outdoors, right? Does a lion get bothered that uh, someone cut him off on the freeway? Does a, does a deer get upset, you know what I mean, that his mm-hmm. partner didn't validate him? You know what I mean? Did a rabbit, does a rabbit get upset, you know what I mean, that like, you know, or, or does he complain that, oh, the alarm clock went off? No, we're so caught up in this artificial manufactured life that we live and that's nothing new. This goes back thousands of years. We've been manufacturing our own life because we are intelligent beings for a long time. But we tend to allow something called externals to control us. And what an external is within Stoic philosophy are things that we don't control, right? So mm. a great example of, a, of an external is the guy that cuts you off on the freeway. Of course, there is that initial concept or that initial feeling of, of anxiety and frustration. We call that fantasia. In, in Latin, which means that knee-jerk reaction. Everyone feels that. It doesn't matter who you are. If the guy cuts you off on the freeway, you're obviously initially going to be pissed, especially if you drive in Florida, right? Everyone here in Florida is a psycho on the road. Where are you at again, Tom? Are you in Colorado, Colorado? Springs? Oh, in your Colorado Springs. Oh, Colorado yep. Springs isn't too bad, I guess. But you, you, I lived in Utah. Utah drivers are just as insane. So they cut you off on the freeway and um, you, you immediately want to be pissed. But what the Stoic says is, you know what? I'm not driving that car. I don't have control over the steering wheel. I don't know that person. It wasn't personal. And so mm-hmm. at the end of the day, am I unharmed? Yes, I am. So I'm moving on with my life, right? So here are the, the four main principles that I focus on within Stoicism. And I think this is a better approach to help someone understand Stoicism than the four pillars of Stoicism. 
First is the concept of memento mori, okay, or me- memento mori, however you want to say it. We'll let you say mori. But that's Latin for remember death or remember that you will die. So people say, well, why are Stoics so obsessed with death and dying? What does it have to do with anything, right? I'm trying to live. I'm trying to make money and pay the bills. Well, here's why it's valuable. Number one, no one's ever escaped death that we know of, okay? Mm-hmm. 100% of people die. That's something that we're all going to experience. Yeah. We spend so much time and anxiety worrying about that that we sacrifice our values constantly thinking about the fact that we have to do something in this life that probably doesn't have any value. But the biggest thing is we have to be prepared for death every single day. So what we say as Stoics every single night is tonight I die. Tonight is is the end, right? When I go to bed tonight, there is no tomorrow. Tomorrow's a bonus, right? And that's what Seneca says. Seneca says if you wake up tomorrow and you're still alive, then that's just a bonus, right? But today, what are you doing today to live your life to the fullest extent that you want to, are you, are you forgiving? Are you loving? Are you serving? Are you pushing yourself, your body, your mind, your spirit to the 100th degree? And are you able to go to your deathbed tonight and say, I was virtuous and I did the things that I committed to do. And, Mm. and on top of that, we have to also understand that the past is dead, right? So we're looking at life and we're saying death is a massive, massive part of life. We need to understand that we're going to die and we need to understand that we need to live our life as if we're dying every single day. But we also need to realize that everything that has happened in the past is now dead. Even five minutes ago, whatever was said five minutes ago cannot be replayed. It cannot be redone. It's done and you have to live with that fact. And I I call a lot of men that I talk to, they live in the past. I call it the Uncle uh, Rico syndrome from like Napoleon Dynamite, right? Yeah. I could take a, I could throw a football over that mountain, right? So many men live in that world of like, mm-hmm. well, when I was in high school, my, I'm like, bro, you're, you're, this is 20 years later. You're out of shape. You know, you're clearly unhappy. You told me that you don't really have a lot of conversations with your wife. And I see you eating shit on your Instagram all the time. So yeah, the past is dead. That's done. Let's talk about now. But the other thing that Memento Mori drives us to do, it drives us to live in the present, right? In the contractor world, Anything can go wrong. Anything that can go wrong will go wrong in a job, right? It doesn't matter what it is, right? And so it's very, very difficult to live presently and say, okay, how do I just live in this moment and not worry about the fact that now I've got to hire a sub to come and fix this, or I've got to replace this, or whatever these costs may be. So Memento Mori forces us to live in the very present, you know? So, all right, we're going to die you know, go to bed at night, say that to yourself, you know, like tomorrow's a bonus. This not, why not just be a hedonist, you know, That's- a hedonist, you know, seeking pleasure all the time. If nothing f- matters, right? Like, what's your <laughs> take on that? Why not just be one of them? So that, yeah, that's a great question. So a couple things. So number one, the, the, the whole entire basis of philosophy, especially Western ancient philosophy is virtue, right? Is goodness, right? And the Stoics, they derive that from a metaphysical source. They don't put a name on it. Like Marcus Aurelius talks a lot about God in meditations. He's talking about Zeus. He, he wasn't, a, he, there was no Judeo Christian, right, right. you know, uh, uh, hierarchy, you know, that, 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 that were, you know, that were writing the Stoic philosophies at the time. Seneca talks about God. They're talking really about a metaphysical, origin of right and wrong so there's within if you want to get deep into it you know Immanuel Immanuel Kant talks about a priory which is 
on a principle, a principle that existed prior to us getting here. We don't know where it came from, but it, but it dictates right and wrong. So there is like the metaphysical God concept origin of right and wrong. However, let's, let's pose a hypothetical. Let's just say for a moment that God doesn't exist. There is no foundation of right and wrong. Okay. So it behooves us then as the human race, as the dominant race, because we are the dominant race on the planet to craft a set of moral imperatives by which we ought to live. Right. So we're, we're in control. So let's, let's, let's go ahead and lay the foundation of a set of moral imperatives that's going to create the most amount of happiness and joy for the great human race. And we go back to college to economics 101. We're looking at marginal utility, right? How do we create Mm -hmm. marginal utility for everybody? So the only thing that we can really look at is the empirical. We go back and say, what, what's the evidence? And let's look at all the evidence over the last several thousands of years. What brings the most benefit, happiness, joy, you know, progression, all that stuff. Well, it's this, it's living in servitude to the people Mm -hmm. that you love and it's doing right because it is in and of itself right. And there is an ample amount of evidence to show that hedonism uh, results in the opposite effect. It creates sadness. It creates, it creates sorrow. It creates, you know, all of these negative things in our life. So, so even if there is no God, you know, which the modern Stoic, the Neo-Stoics are, are largely atheist. Virtue and the seeking of virtue, the pursuit of virtue still provides the most empirical evidence with thousands of years and mm. millions of points of data to show that that yeah. provides the most amount of happiness in someone's life. One of the greatest things that you can do to move your business forward is put yourself in a hot seat. And we're going to have multiple hot seats at our Strong Leader Live workshop at the end of April in Florida. My buddy, Mike Michalowicz, the author of Profit First and Clockwork and Fix This Next and a bunch of other great business books, is going to be there to help you identify exactly what you're missing in your business. Where does your best focus and attention and your budget and your time need to go for you to build the type of business that you want? So for a very few brave souls that are in the room, you're going to have an opportunity to hot seat, put yourself out to the group and get your stuff fixed. Hit the link and join us in Florida. Well, that's true, because as you're talking, I'm thinking back to periods of my life (laughs) (laughs) where it was all about pleasure. You know, if I'm just going to be, you know, totally blunt here, you know, there was a point in my life, you know, as a single guy where I want to bang anything that moved and I drank everything in sight. Uh, now I'm thinking back to, to my Marine Corps days. I was at a duty station where we had seven days on where we were doing jungle patrols and things like that. And then I had seven days off. Oof. And you and you either became in your seven days off, you either became a gym rat or, you know, a fucking wreck, right? Yeah. Like just a train wreck. And yeah. I did both. I started with, you know, the first couple of months, it was like a two month period where, you know, I, I was dating a girl. She was in the Navy on the base and stuff like that. You know, it was my girlfriend or whatever at the time. And it's like for seven days, it was, it was just nothing but pleasure, you know? And then that got old. You know, got old because there was no fulfillment in that. You know, it 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 was nothing special after a while, right? Like it's just it became the new normal. Yeah. And so a couple months into that, you know, I flipped it. Uh, I probably went like at that time, and, and you know, it was I don't know, I was twenty years old, maybe. I was 
you know, I didn't drink for like a year. You know, I worked out a couple times a day, you know, our PT with the Marine Corps. And then our, you know, I'd hit the gym like it was. And I lived a much more disciplined life. And I remember just being way more fulfilled. And, and I've seen that when I'm personally more locked in, dialed in, you know, honoring the, those commitments that we make, you know, to nutrition or workouts, reading a book or, you know, whatever our routines are that we commit to. I show up so much better, not only for myself, but everyone around me and everything else in life gets better when I, I guess, live that more stoic type lifestyle, if you want to call it that. I'm, I'm sure I'm missing, you know, the total definition on that side. But like I'm on um, 75 hard, live hard program, right? And I'm in my final 30 days of live hard right now, which is phase three. And it is not a fitness program, even though you follow a diet and you, you know, work out twice a day and shit like that. Right. So it's truly a mental toughness program. It tests your commitment. It's a full integrity thing. Obviously it's free. Nobody knows I have the app and I check the box of the shit I do each day (laughs) and nobody but me really knows if I really did those things. Mm -hmm. And, and I've done every one of those things for the past year. And I can tell you it's, I mean, dude, I get in the shower. Part of it is a five minute cold shower and I get in the shower with my timer and I set it to five minutes and 30 seconds and I hit start. And then when I turn it to cold to give it a few seconds to make sure it's cold enough before I really start counting five, like it's literally (laughs) nobody's looking over my shoulder to do that. I'm not trying to go, oh, you're so special and so full of integrity, Tom. Right. But the point is what that does for your self-confidence. I mean, dude, I. I am so mentally dialed in and sharp when, when I'm pushing myself like this, you know, you talk about, you know, does a lion lose its shit when it gets cut off in traffic or whatever, right? Like when I'm not dialed in like this, I am so much more likely to lose my shit when I am dialed in and, and I'm, I'm honoring those commitments. Like you talk about, I'm so much more calm under pressure, cool under pressure than when I'm when I'm not following some sort of regimen like that. Yeah, because you're valuing the intrinsic. And, and what, if people don't know what that means, the intrinsic, of course, is the external benefit of things, right? Mm-hmm. Most of us do things, and I'm always working with men to help them to try it, and it's hard. Again, we're, we're on a contractor podcast. It's a business podca- podcast. Very hard for men to not grasp this concept, but very hard for them to change the mindset around this concept. We're incentive driven. Human beings are incentive driven, especially in a business model. Mm -hmm. We're absolutely money driven. But what you're talking about is I do this because I get the intrinsic benefit of things, the internal benefit of things, my own satisfaction within uh, stoicism or or Greek eudaimonia, this human satisfaction that comes from overcoming, overcoming obstacles, right? Mm. What was that called again? How did you say that? eudaimonia okay eudaimonia or it's spelled eudaimonia you can say it however you want really yeah. but eudaimonia and most of us are driven though by external rewards right we say well if i do this i'm going to get this the stoic and really the philosopher in us says how do i get to a point where i do things because they are in and of themselves good right i do them because that has nothing to do with reward it has everything to do with the fact that it is good it is good. In fact, I had a discussion with a guy, and not to get super religious, I'm just using this as an example. Yeah. But we hear the phrase, God is good, 
And I'm like, what does it mean? God is good. What do you, what do you think that means? He's like, well, God gives good gifts. I'm like, shit, sign me up. You know, let's, let me get those good gifts. Where do I get yeah. them? You know what I mean? And I'm like, that's what everyone thinks when you say God is good. Let me tell you what it means. God is good. It means that if God were the only being in existence, no one else existed, no animals, no creatures, no people, God would still act in accordance with virtue, meaning that he would still make the right choice because he knows that what he does is good in and of itself, right? He doesn't need incentives. A lot of men, a lot of men are looking for incentives to do the reasons, do the things they do. And that's all they want. They just, like you said, it's like gym rat or, you know, male whore, you know, when you got seven days off, you know, seven days off, any single man with seven days off is very dangerous, right? It doesn't matter if you're in the military Mm -hmm. or not. It's very dangerous because men are always looking for that stimuli. Now, how do you get to a point to where your decisions are based solely on the fact that they are good? When you come home and you do the dishes, it's not because you want sex from your wife, but because it is good. When you come home and you change the diapers or you come home or you get up at 3.30 in the morning and go do do your workout when no one's at the gym, no one cares, no one's watching you, why are you doing it? Because you're receiving the intrinsic benefit. And that's what you're talking about. When you put yourself in a place where you value virtue more than the reward, all of a sudden, everything starts to change, right? And Mm. I tell people this all the time. I say, look, as a business owner, if you start to value things because they are good and do them because they are good, money and success becomes the byproduct of that. It just happens. It falls in your lap. Ryan Carnahan has said this multiple times. He's my co-host on The Stoic Dad. He says, if your vision is virtuous, then it will drag you kicking and screaming to its completion. So if you have this, this like you have this great contractor fight, you're helping contractors, you're successful strictly because you care about these people and you want them to succeed and you want to help them and you want to make their lives better. So you can't help, like even if you wanted to stop this now, Tom, it's already moving. It's, it's this train that's moving. It's like, Tom, you're the conduit. I don't, you know, whatever that metaphysical call it, God, spaghetti monster in the sky, Providence. Mm-hmm. It's like, we got to help these men, Tom. So I'm, I'm pushing you along and you're just, even if you're dragging, kicking and screaming, the fact that it's virtuous is why it's happening. Right. And, mm. and get into the metaphysical of that. I don't, it, we don't need to, but we know that that exists. The priory where it comes from, who knows, but we know that that's true. Right. And that's exactly mm-hmm. right. If you value the intrinsic, it's always going to come together. So if, if it's okay, though, I'll continue on mm-hmm. some of these pillars. The second one, and this, this has to do with a lot of what we're talking about, it's called the dichotomy of control. What is the dichotomy of control? Well, it's this. It's very, very simple. Again, very hard for business owners, to gra- not to grasp this concept, but to practice it. It's that we only control our own minds, therefore our own perceptions, therefore our own judgments, therefore our own actions. Nothing else. We don't control the weather. We don't control the economy. We can't control spring in a leak. We can't control, you know, a, a crappy job. We can't control a, a sub. We can only control ourselves. Now, do we have influence over those things? We have influence over those things by demonstrating how we react and how we interact with tough mm-hmm. situations, but we only control what's in our own mind. In fact, we don't even really control our actions long-term. When once Once we're in our 90s and we're, you know, our pants and we're in a, uh, a nursing home and you got Alzheimer's, you don't even control your body anymore, right? People with yeah. heart disease, people with cancer, they don't have control over that. So you live, like Marcus Aurelius says, in the inner citadel. You live within your mind. And the only place that you have control is within that inner citadel. And I was on a podcast last week. He's like, well, I struggle with that because you know I run a business and I want my employees and I want the product and I want all these things to be the way I want them. I'm like, that's great. So let me pose it to you this way, because I didn't answer that question as well last week. 
Seneca talks about this. He says, look, let's say you want to go ahead and start trading in goods. You can buy the boat, right? You can hire the captain. You can put the product on it. But once it's out to sea, it's not up to you anymore. Right. It's entirely up to yeah. the, 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 what you've set out there, the, the, the weather and the captain. So as business owners, I think a lot of people want to control things. And just as men in general, we, we live in this masculine concept mm-hmm. of ah control, control, I'm the leader. And it's like, yes, you are the leader, but you're the leader in the sense that you only control how you interact with the world around you. And that's, yeah. hard, that's hard in practice. It's well, difficult. leadership defined, you know, John Maxwell design, defines leadership as influence, mm-hmm. right? So it's, it's simply having influence. And, totally. you know, in our sales training that we do <clears throat> for contractors, I talk all the time about how you cannot make somebody buy. Yeah. You know, you, you don't have the power to make somebody buy. The only way you can f- do that is to have the cartel kidnap their family. Right. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, you know, but, but what you can do is you can choose your attitude. Uh, are you showing up with, with energy? Are you showing up prepared? Are you showing up curious to really understand their needs and all these things combined, gratitude, whatever are going to influence them, influence a connection that they might not have with another salesperson. Yeah. Okay. But and, again, and, and you only your, have control over, over you. So yeah, well, and, and, and is, is your, is your desire correct as well too? If you're walking mm-hmm. into interaction in, in a sales environment and you just want it for money, you don't care about the customer and you know, you're just trying to get another deal. The likelihood, I mean, we know, we know what sales breath is, right? You walk in and you breathe sales breath all over them. It's not going to go through because they don't feel that, that genuine, you know, desire for their well being. Likewise, too, just to touch on what you just said, are you walking away from the fail, the the the, the close lost, right, with mm-hmm. the gratitude that hey, I ha- I'm grateful that I had that gratitude. Then I'll get the next one or the next one. I don't care what happened because that's the dichotomy of control. Not lamenting on the fact that you didn't get what you want. It's crazy you brought that up because today I've I've recorded three shows and I shot two videos uh, in addition and the. Two videos I shot were sales related. And in one of them, I talked about, I think you used the word desire going mm-hmm. into a sales call that if your desire is to go in there and close the deal and get my commission and I have to have this job and all that other stuff, that's a problem. But if you go in going, hey, let's just figure out if I can help them. Let's figure out if we're a good fit. And, you know, we're, we're going to, you know, either be a good fit and take the next step in the process or we're not. Um, you know, I'm going to do my part and it's a totally different way of showing up. And that again, create it's, it's so in contrast to the typical salesperson who's coming in with the one liners and the scripts and, and, you know, they say this, you say this and all that other bullshit. Um, it's really about, you know, in our, in our training, we have, have have it sitting here. Um, you know, we have a process here. The first step is called the motive, Mm -hmm. you know, like you're digging into the why behind the project. Yep. You know, what, what are you really after here? You know, what do you, you know, what would a great experience look like? And, you know, that's interesting. You've mentioned a couple of times about, you know, you really want high quality. What does that mean to you? Like what, the more curious sure. you are, the more connection there is. Sure. And, and they're, they're either going to be drawn to you or they're not. And it's really, the result is out of your control. And I think, you know, it, it leads me to a, another question here. How does the stoic respond when shit's going sideways? Yeah, and and that's this is the perfect time to bring it up because the dichotomy yeah. of control really is 
how you respond when shit goes sideways. And, and for those of you who don't know, modern cognitive behavioral therapy within the realm of psychology is basically stoicism. Freud, all of the foundational you know, psychologists were all Stoics. They all studied Stoicism. Certainly, most of these principles exist within modern, modern psychology under a, a different name. So the dichotomy of control can be found in modern psychology under the name of radical acceptance. Radical mm. acceptance is literally like immediately right here, I'm going to accept what happened and I'm not going to lament on it. So when shit goes sideways, you do a couple of things. Number one, you can go back to that first principle of momentum mori and be like, well, I'm going to die tonight anyway. So who cares? It doesn't matter what happened. It doesn't matter. You know, I got in a car accident. It's just a car. I'm going to die tonight. What if I'm really going to die tonight? Would I care about this? Is this a, is this a big problem? No, I'm unharmed by it. No mm-hmm. big deal. Dichotomy of control is, well, do I control this? There's almost like a flow chart. You can say, do I control this? Yes. Okay. Well, then act until you no longer have control. And then once you hit that wall of no longer having control, you have to immediately say, I, this doesn't concern me anymore. Right. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, let's, let's take like the, the flat tire, right? If your son, it's like, okay, he's got a flat tire. Great. What do I have control over? Well, I can get my ass in the truck. I'm going to drive out there. I'm going to change the tire. Now, if I hit traffic on the way, I can't be upset about the traffic because I don't control the traffic. I can only control my foot on the pedal driving to the place where I need to get. And when I get there, I get there. And let's say I get there. And I've got those locking lug nuts on there. Well, unless I can take the locking lug nuts off, I, I've hit another wall. What can I do here? Can I control it? No, I, yeah. it doesn't concern me. Now, saying that is one thing, right? Practicing that is an entirely different thing. So I always tell men, I'm like, this is just like getting in the gym, right? When you walk into the gym, you're not going to put two plates on and, and rep out 10 reps, you know what I mean, on the bench. That's just not, that's not going to happen. However, it's eventually going to happen. But how do you get there? Well. You've got to do 10,000 reps before then, right? Mm -hmm. And you've got to actually do it. So people say, how do you get to this point where you no longer care? Because I care so much. That's just not who I am. I'm like, dude, you're not your proclivities. You're not your personality. You have just not put in the reps of when something difficult happens, are you saying to yourself, okay, dichotomy of control, and I'm going to die tonight. Dichotomy of control, and I'm going to die tonight. How should I react to the situation? And over time, you develop. I mean, this is basically the concept in physiology of, of, um, biofeedback. So like I have a condition called vasovagal syncope, which means it's, it's a fancy word for my, my blood pressure drops and I pass out randomly. Okay. I've got a bunch of physical issues. So I just pass out randomly. So I remember this is like 10 years ago. I'm at, I'm, I'm with my electrophysiologist, cardiologist. And I'm like, he's like, Hey, I'm going to pitch this concept to you. It's called biofeedback. He's like, here it is. When you feel like you're going to pass out, don't. And I'm like, Oh, Okay. <laughs> That's great advice. I just paid you a bunch of money. You're a, you're a cardiologist. He's like, what I mean by that is when you start to feel like you're going to pass out, do everything you possibly can to not pass out. Lean against a wall, sit on the ground, you know, mm-hmm. just stand up. And he's like, over time, your body's going to adapt to that and change and eventually be to in, in a spot where, you, you know, when you start to pass out, you'll be able to catch yourself a lot more. Now, I still struggle with it sometimes. Not convenient when I'm squatting like 315 or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, but but as as human beings, we can rewire our brains with that mental biofeedback of saying, okay, every single time I start to feel that it's going sideways, I, I need to ask myself, and this is a tool called decatastrophizing. You ask yourself, hey, am I dead? No, I'm not dead. Okay. Phew. Number one, it's not the worst thing that can happen, right? Because the worst thing that could happen is I could die. So I'm not dead. 
what's the next worst thing that can happen? Well, the next worst thing that could happen is I could lose my whole entire business. I'm going to go bankrupt. Well, it takes a while to go bankrupt, right? So unless you made a yeah. really big mistake, you're probably not going bankrupt. Okay. So I'm not going bankrupt. What's the, th- and you, and you scale down through these things, do it on a piece of paper. Like I did it with my 13 year old daughter. We had her in homeschool last year, started her in, in uh, public school this year. And she was really nervous. And she's like, dad, I, I, I just don't want to do this. I said, okay, honey, let's sit down and let's talk about this. First day, what's the worst thing that can happen? She's like, well, I could go into class and trip over my laces and fall on my face in front of everybody. I'm like, okay, well, what's the worst thing that could happen in that situation? She's like, well, I could die. I'm like, well, what's the likelihood of you dying? She's like, low. Okay. So it's really not that bad, right? And yeah. then we, we went down through this list to finally where it was like, well, the worst thing that could happen is I trip and I get back up and some people laugh at me, but it's no big deal, right? And so we decatastrophize through this whole process. So how do you stay stoic when shit hits the fan? Preparation, right? Anticipation. There is a tool. Anticipation is an actual you know, Greek term, which basically says, hey, plan for any and all scenarios. So going into a, a job, this could be an absolute money suck, time suck, energy suck, or I can make the profit that I'm looking to make on it. I need to be prepared for all those situations. And I'm not going to care about the outcome. I'm only going to be, I'm only going to care about the process. I'm going to be process driven, outcome ag- agnostic, right? That's really mm-hmm. hard to do again. Yep. But if I'm process driven, yep. the likelihood of the outcome being good is, is typically, you know, it, the, there's a good chance I'm going to have a good outcome. But what you need to do is you need to not have hope. And what I, I say this to people and they're like, don't hope. I'm like, yeah, let me explain. Seneca says hope is very much tied to fear. Why? Because hope says, I want that thing. I want that specific thing. And I want it in the future. And why is that a problem? Number one, it's because you have no idea what the result's going to be. And number two, you have no control over the future at all. We have no idea what's going going to happen. Shit can go sideways five minutes from now. You know, I could get in my car, drive down the road, boom, someone could hit me right here in my neighborhood. I don't know what's going to happen. So I can't hope for any specific result. I can only hope that I'm going to do the things that I said I'm going to do today. Mm. That's how you you deal with shit going sideways. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, I coached high school football for 17 years, and so I often my mind goes to just how does it apply there, right? Yeah. And we used to tell uh, if we had a defensive back that got burned deep on a play, we always tell him have a short memory. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like dude, you got to have a short memory when you play defensive back. You get burned, it's next play. You know, that's all it is. You can't do anything about the past. It happened. What'd you learn from it? Okay. You had, you know, your footwork was fucked up or your eyes were in the wrong place or whatever. Yeah. Learn from it. Let's, yeah. And sometimes you're coaching on the fly. They're walking to, you know, back to the huddle and they're by our sideline. You're like, you know, Joey, you know, what'd you do? Uh, coach, first step was wrong. All right, fix it. Next play. Let's go. Like, it's just having that you can't, you don't have the luxury of getting wrapped up in the shit storm, right? Yeah. Because each moment requires you to, to show up as your best. And if you're wasting time in these current moments right now, you know, trying to beat, you know, beating yourself up about the past or being paralyzed mm-hmm. by it, you're not going to make any progress in anything. Yeah. So, and, and that's, that goes back to living presently. So it's like when, mm-hmm. when it hits the fan, you've always got to ask yourself like, well, the only moment I'm alive is now I'm not alive five minutes ago. I'm not alive 10 minutes or now I'm alive right now. So again, if I'm not dead, then I need to just get over this and move, move on. You know, there's no yeah. reason to lament and cry and, you know, like to speak scripturally, you know, like to, to wallow in your mire, you know what I mean? Just be like a pig and say, oh, poor me, this happened. 
live presently right now, right here. And that, that kind of leads us to the third principle I talked to, you know, about with people is, is apathia and apathia is basically English for, I don't give a shit, you know what I mean? Or, yeah. or Greek for, I don't give a shit. It's like, look, apathia, I'm apathetic about this. Right. And yeah. how do we become apathetic? Well, it's embracing those first two principles of memento mori and, you know, dichotomy of control. But there's another aspect of this. Really, we want to get to that eudaimonia aspect, you know, the place in our life. And what that means is human contentment, true satisfaction, contentment. And so what I do in this phase with people, I say, look, you have to seek out that eudaimonia. And where does it come? It actually comes in a couple different places. Number one, it comes in stillness and peace. It comes in the quiet. You have to put yourself in a place where you're willing to embrace the quiet. I remember mm-hmm. I traveled a lot for work a few years ago, and I, I did it for five or five to seven years where I was on a plane every other week and in a hotel every other week in different cities all over the country. And it's it's a lonely enterprise. And yeah. I, I would turn on the TV a lot, you know, just to kind of have it on. But I started to leave the TV off when I'd get into mm-hmm. a hotel room. I'd leave it off. And at first it was wildly creepy, right? You go in, just the silence, unfamiliar place. Some hotels are just creepy in general. And I started leaving it off. And, I, and then I started reading instead. And then I started embracing classical music. And then I started reading at night and then I shut off the TV at home. And I, I tell men all the time, like, shut off your damn TV. It's completely worthless. There's no, there's nothing on television that is worth spending, you know, 30 minutes of your time that could be in a book or that could be spent with your children or could be connected mm-hmm. with your wife or could be whatever. You know what I mean? You have to seek out that stillness in your life. So all of the listeners ask yourself, I live this busy life as a contractor. I don't even want you to work during that time. What are you doing to seek out that stillness in your life on a daily basis? Most of you are not. Most of you have no, none of that balance in your life. Why do I wake up at 3.50 in the morning? Because from 3.50 to 4.45, it's silent. Yeah. And I get that time to be able to you know, think and have the most thoughts of clarity. And my wife's the same way. We both wake up early. But at the same time, don't come home and, well, I got to wind down. Well, then read a damn book. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, talk yep. to your kids. You know what I mean? Talk. Your wife wants to be talked to she, and she doesn't want to hear about your day at work. She doesn't care about the job. She doesn't care about all that stuff. She wants to connect with you. So what are you doing to seek that out? That's going to lead compounding with memento mori and with dichotomy of control to some sense of and uh, of eudaimonia and and you've probably experienced eudaimonia how many how many kids do you have tom uh five holy crap okay five kids yeah. i have three that's a lot of kids you're an honor i'm a mormon you're an honorary mormon now okay so uh yeah five kids but you, you've probably experienced eudaimonia and you've experienced it in the times when you're you're at the park or you're on vacation and you see your kids running and laughing and having fun and you say i don't want to live in any other moment than this moment right here this is that's the right. best moment this is life. This is that. everything to me. I don't give a shit about the jobs. I don't give a, you know, I don't care about the mortgage payment. I don't care about any of that stuff. Living right now in this moment, that's what I want. But most men struggle with that, right? Because they say, well, all my spare time needs to go to my job, needs to go to developing the business. It's like, no, 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 no. What are you doing to connect? Whether that's mm-hmm. with yourself, you know, in your mind, intellectually, emotionally, or with your family, which is going to, to develop that piece as well, too. Dude, that's fire, man. 
So touch a little bit before we get out of here on um, the fatherhood piece of this. You've brought it up a few times. You've touched on it here and there. Yeah. You know, I'm just curious, what are some other ways that, I mean, your, your podcast is the stoic dad, you know? Yeah. So like, tell, tell us a little bit about how you show up like that. Well, the As best the dad is dad. the stoic, right? The best yeah. dad is somebody who can exercise these principles and it, and it helps your children. Like for example, my, my, my 13, almost 14 year old is a hot, she has OCD. We both have OCD. We're diagnosed mm-hmm. with OCD medication. Real OCD is a very debilitating, horrifying mental illness to have. She struggles with it really bad. Stoicism has certainly helped me to help my children because at the end of the day, I display these virtues and they will mm-hmm. model whatever I do. So they see dad waking up early because he wants to live every day like it's his last. I, my wife and I go home from the gym this morning. We usually get home around 6.50 or so from the gym. And there's our 13-year-old at the dinner table with a book and a cup of tea, reading mm-hmm. a book, right? Not watching television, not on social media. Your children will model whatever you do. Your sons will become you and your daughters will marry you, right? Exactly. You'll marry the type yep. of man you are. So as a father, I want to be able to be the very best version of myself. And the stoic is always looking to progress and become better, right? Become more mm-hmm. virtuous. So what better way to have an example of what type of father you should be than to be a stoic, right? And my dad, yeah, actually backing up really quick, Marcus Aurelius, you know, was adopted by a guy named Antoninus, who was, who was mm-hmm. uh, uh, an emperor, you know, before Marcus. And Marcus in Meditations talks about Antoninus. He, he had two virtue models. He had Hadrian, who was his adopted grandfather, who was an absolute hedonist, right? I mean, he, he was a sophist. He loved to talk like he was smart. But he had people executed for challenging him. Whereas Antoninus was this guy who's like, 100%, I'm the emperor, but I don't care that I'm the emperor. I'm just a good man. My adopted father, I have a very similar story. My adopted father is a natural stoic. He is a man who has never raised his voice. He is a man who has always listened. He is a man who gives advice tailored specifically for you. He listens to you. He loves you. He cares about you. And so for me, I've built upon that and said, as a father, I need to be, and, and Kurt Storing, I'm not sure if he'll listen to this podcast. He does dad work. Um, I have to pay him a royalty for what I'm about to say as well. But yeah. he says, you need to be the man that's hard to kill, easy to love, and equipped to lead. And stoicism mm. teaches you to be very hard to kill. It teaches you to be equipped to lead. And it teaches you to be easy to love as well. The stoic is the man who is the strongest man in the room, but the quietest man in the room. Yeah. He doesn't need, he doesn't need to be boisterous. He doesn't need to, to, to do the out, outward, you know, external flexes. His flexes are, well, you know, I read instead of watch TV. I avoid mm-hmm. pornography like the plague. I, you know, embrace stillness every single day. I, I'm okay being a, a, a feminist father where it's like, I don't, be, I don't believe that my daughters need to go get married first thing. I think that they can go have a right. career and I, I'll support them in mm-hmm. that, you know, all of those things compounding together. It's, it's this cyclical compounding process of becoming a better father. So it, it applies to being a business owner. It applies, you know, cause again, no one wants to watch their dad. You know, I watched my biological father freak out on people on the freeway, you know, and, you know, cuss people out and honk and flip them off. And it's like, why is dad a psycho? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like I'd rather, I'd rather see the dad who's like, yeah, I'm, I'm shredded and I'm dope, but I, I don't need to like 
freak out on somebody, right? I don't need to be the guy mm-hmm. who's always a hothead. I don't need to be the guy who values stuff and money and women and cocaine over, you know, relationships. So it's like, how yeah. do we become the best father? It, is it, and, it, and stoicism is not in and of itself the only key answer, right? Stoicism is a school of philosophy, but philosophy, which means in Greek, how to live, philosophy is the key. By studying how we should behave, how we ought to behave, that's going to lead us to a place where we're understanding virtue is the ultimate end. And if virtue is the ultimate end, we'll be the best father on, on the planet and probably a pretty good business owner as well. Yeah, well, we we say here in the fight that success is an inside out game. You know, this goes right along with that, which is why you're here today, because, you know, as you get better, your business gets better. And, um, and here's the other thing. Listen, as you get better, you know, let's say your business takes a shit for whatever reason, right? You could always open another business. You could always have another career and you'll never go wrong working on you and getting better individually. So it's like, you know, you'll carry those lessons with you into your next, you know, vocation or whatever, you know. Yeah, it's like, it's like Jim, Jim Rohn, I think, said it. Jim Rohn said everything, but it's like he said, the way you yeah, do no anything <laughs> is the way you do everything, right? Yep. And And that's so true in... If you can learn that, right? It's only valuable yeah. if you can learn that lesson. But but it is true. And stoicism teaches us that none of this shit matters. What matters is are you loving? Are you forgiving? Are you developing? Are you are you seeking out eudaimonia, right? To where yeah. you want that peace. Because ultimately at the end of the day, the Stoic desires this. He desires that number one, when I go to my deathbed, when I'm crossing over to that next level of existence. Am I satisfied with what I did in my life? Can I go to my yeah. deathbed saying that I valued the correct things? I didn't value all the dumb shit out there that everyone else did. And secondly, what are my children not saying about me? What are they thinking about me right now? Mm-hmm. Are they saying my father was a man of commitment, a man of courage, a man of consistency, a man of congruency? He was there for us in every way possible. We could talk to him. He never gave us generic advice. And at the end of the day, we know that our dad loved us beyond anything else in the universe. That is, that is the goal of the Stoic. Going to your deathbed saying, I acted virtuously. I did I it the it. right way. 100%. I love it. Well, dude, this has been pretty enlightening for me. It's good to hear your take on this stuff. For somebody that wants to dig into learning more about stuff like this, where do they find you? Yeah, so they can uh, go on Instagram um, at the Stoic Dad underscore because there's another guy that has. I, I might I might buy him out eventually, but everyone on my team does like an underscore after their uh, after their yeah. their name as well. Uh, so you can find me on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok. I'm starting a YouTube uh, content channel specifically around just the the philosophy side, and then some great resources. I'll, I'll throw out three books that will really really get people's minds moving on Stoicism. The first. A shout out to my homie, Donald Robertson. I've had him on my podcast. He's he's one of the most, he's probably the foremost psychotherapist in the world today. It's a great uh, Scottish turned Canadian. His book, How to Think Like a Roman Emperor, the, the uh, Stoic Philosophy of Marcus Aurelius is a fantastic book. It's very entry level that will allow people to kind of get a gist of what Stoicism entails. Uh, second would be Ryan Holiday's The Obstacle is the Way. R- Ryan, of course, is a massive you know, coach and philosopher yeah. in the world today. And then thirdly, Plato's Lemonade Stand, which is written by another person I consider a friend, Tom Morris, one-time philosophy professor at Notre Dame, has coached 
tons of large businesses, written over 35 books. Um, and then from there, of course, you can get into the more of the pedantic academic meditations, letters from a stoic, all mm-hmm. that stuff. Those are three books that you can kind of just get your feet wet and realize that stoic does not mean emotionless. It means that, hey, I'm in control of my shit, you know? I love it, man. So, Well, Jordan, I appreciate you hanging out with us here today, man. We'll get, uh, we'll get your links and all that in our show notes. Guys, go check him out. Listen to his podcast and uh, get a little bit better. Give us a rating. Give us a review. And with that, we are out. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much. Paynet podcasts are produced by the Painting Contractors Association and are made possible by members and industry partners. To find out more about upcoming education opportunities or for more information about joining PCA, visit PCAPainted.org.